The Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Podcast. Kia ora, I'm Dane Giroux, spokesperson for the Free Speech Coalition, and joining me today is David Farah of Kiwi Blog and a member of our steering group. And we're here to discuss the alarming decision by the government to shut down what it calls non-essential media in response to the COVID-19 lockdown that we're all currently under. Great to have you with us, David. Uh, great to be here. Of course, there's uh, not many other places one can legally be at the moment. <laughs> That's right. I, I was reading today something from the government saying you are allowed to go outside for fresh air. And you have to think about, um, <laughs> you, you almost could write a novel where you, you get permission from the government that it is okay to go outside for fresh air. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a home gym that I've considered using now. But I still haven't yet. But I think now is probably the time to use it. Whether I do or not, that's another story, but we'll see. <laughs> so can you talk us through this decision and what this means for our media during a time when I would have thought that the more voices, the better? Yeah, well, look, the government announced uh, publicly that media are an essential service and they can stay operating during the stage four lockdown as long as they follow safe precautions. And I think everyone just assumed media is media. Mm. But it later transpired through an email from the Ministry of Culture and Heritage to some community newspapers that they've actually decided media isn't all media but only broadcast media and basically the daily print media. And the reason for this was because the government had deemed this is the only essential media now in New Zealand, uh, as important people get their daily news and all other media is unessential. Now, when I saw this email, I was quite staggered for a number of reasons. The, the first is, just purely on a principled level, the idea that the government is deciding which media can or cannot operate is extraordinary. It's the opposite of what you, you normally expect in a free society. Now, absolutely, COVID-19 means we voluntarily are giving up many of our rights mm. to be able to do things, but the media are probably the one right you don't want to give up because at a time when the government has more powers than any other government's ever had, probably even in wartime, that's when you need a free and active media. Yeah, no, sure. Now, um, so the the, the media that, that, that have been shut down, who's sort of being targeted mainly? What, what kind of publications are we talking about? Well, it's actually very wide, because... When we say community newspapers, that doesn't just mean the free weeklies, which actually are often very well read in the community. It means some of the bigger newspapers that only come out two or three times a week. I think the Christchurch Star used to be one of those. It also means all magazines. It means the listener will not come out for probably the first time ever. And it also, very importantly, includes the ethnic media. Yeah. And this is one of the other things which is very alarming about the government's decision, is even if you put aside the principal case that the government should never decide which media is important, the ethnic media reach people in New Zealand along 
I must say, with new newspapers who don't read stuff or the Herald, who don't listen to TV One. So I think it actually backfires on what the government's trying to do also, which is trying to get good information across to people. Yeah, yeah. And I guess a lot of these, some of the media that we're talking about, it's not like they have deep pockets necessarily. So, I mean, would they even be able to bounce back after this if they were shut down for like a month or two months? Well, I've been in contact with some of them and very much the majority are saying, no, they will not reopen because they've actually incurred significant costs in getting an addition ready to go. And suddenly that stopped mid-flight. They won't recover those costs. And as with all media, they're not really much of a profitable business anyway. It's not like other businesses which, given time, are likely to recover and become quite profitable again. The media you know, is on a very tight margin as a hit. So what you could well be talking about is actually the death of most community newspapers in New Zealand. They're not going to come back, except maybe the ones owned by the two big uh, media outlets. I think another important thing to consider with this too is the government seems to have taken the view that during this crisis, the only thing that counts is the news, reporting what's happening every day. But actually, media is also about holding the government to account, scrutinising what they're doing, running opinion pieces, reporting on what's happening locally. It's not just there for the government to tell us what's happening. It's there to hold the government to account. Again, a very, very powerful government. So wiping out big sections of the media who can play a part there, I think is a very alarming thing. Look, I don't think this is a deliberate thing. I don't think the initial decision was taken even at ministerial level. I think it was taken by the Ministry of Culture and Heritage. We do seem to know, though, it has been elevated to ministers, and we're hoping to find out in the next day or two if they will change their mind on this. So the health concerns and safety concerns that the government obviously has made a decision to, to, to um, shut down some of these smaller, you know, the non-daily media over, why weren't they able to comply with them? Why did they think that they couldn't comply with them when, when the, the modes of delivery and, and, um, and production would be exactly the same? I think that's an important question because the small media I've been talking to have made it very clear that they were operating and plan to keep operating if they can with social distancing. They would do exactly the same as the bigger media companies. They're possibly using the same printing presses, in fact, to make sure that staff aren't near each other. If their newspapers are being delivered, it would probably be through New Zealand Post who are delivering other things too, etc. So the small media companies aren't asking for a blanket exemption, we want to be able to do whatever we want. They're just saying, let us do our jobs, just as the big media companies are allowed to under the same safety and health restrictions. And, and, you know, the government may have a view that every extra workplace allowed to have people in it is an unacceptable risk. But again, I think when you're talking the media, you know, they were deemed an essential service by the government. It's just that they've later said only some of you are essential. And my view, and I think the view of many and online people on the left as well as the right have actually been supportive of this, is the government shouldn't decide which media are essential. Any media that can safely publish should be allowed to. 
Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? It's like the government deciding you can run. We like what you have to say. We don't. Like, well, it's not necessarily that they're doing that, but it feels that way, doesn't it? It's just, it's just not the way it's done. Well, you look overseas. It's partly about the precedent too. You may have a different government. Overseas, there are authoritarian governments who absolutely are using this to strengthen their powers via the media and via the public. Now, in no way do I think that's the motivation for this government. Mm. I think they're just not appreciating the role of the media enough, but I don't think there's any malice at all involved. But if you let this government do it, then it's much harder to stop a future government for you've set a precedent. Sure. And that's why I have been advocating to the Free Speech Coalition and to some of these media companies that they should consider, if necessary, a judicial review of the government's decision. Because I do believe that it sets a very bad precedent for the future. The communications from the government haven't made any mention of the Bill of Rights Act Mm. that they have considered under the Bill of Rights Act, what the implications are of closing sections of the media down, because we have rights under that to access information. What, what do you think? I mean, that sounds about, about it, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think that covers it. As I know, I'm hopeful the ministers will overturn the decision made by the department or the ministry. If they don't, then I don't think it's the end of the battle. I think uh, this needs to carry on the good fight. And, of course, that's why we have a free speech coalition. Thank you. Thanks, Nane. Yeah, so if you'd like to support the Free Speech Coalition, go to our website, freespeechcoalition.co.nz. The Free Speech Coalition. Podcast.